This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, last Saturday night, Ireland beat South Africa in a very, very tight and very, very tough group game at the Rugby World Cup. It's a very important win because it means we avoid the host nation France if we beat Scotland on Saturday week and we will have what people are considering to be the easier option in the quarterfinal, which is the All Blacks. And there's no doubt that you don't talk about the All Blacks without respecting their traditions. But avoiding the host nation was an imperative, and we believed, and this was a great game. Ireland won 13-8, but it was tight, and we had a very good preview of what happened from Matt Williams last week. And Matt joins us again now, Matt's an Australian, of course, and he had a bad experience on Sunday night, which we might mention. Um, cause Australia were wiped out by Wales, and uh, he is a broadcaster, director of rugby, and head coach at the renowned New South Wales uh, Waratahs in Super Rugby back in the day. He was also the head coach of Scotland, and he coached Leinster and Ulster in the Heineken Cup here, and he's working for Virgin Media, who I have to say have a superb panel and a superb anchor man. Joe Malloy is the anchor man. Rob Carney is along with Matt. And on Sunday, Ian McKinley, uh, they were the analysts and they were really um, very, very good and have been outstanding. And I learned more about what happened on Saturday night than I did watching the National Broadcaster RTE, whose panel is abject uh, is the only word I can use. And it's important to say that because for those of us who aren't familiar with rugby uh, and indeed for people who are familiar with rugby, the analysis of people like Rob Kearney and Matt, of course, is very, very important. And Orti are making a mess of it. I'd accept from that comment the peerless Donald Lenehan and Hugh Cal, who are the match commentator uh, an analyst in France. But it's important because both stations will have the final and a very much, as we know in this country, part of the joy of the game is understanding what's happening and having an informed view of what's happening on the field. And this tournament, this Rugby World Cup, has captured the imagination of the nation. I was talking to Liam Brady yesterday and Liam Brady didn't watch Burnley and Manchester United 
uh, nor did I. Uh, he watched the rugby and it was fascinating. Matt, the first thing I have to say to you is that you, your point about the, the bomb squad coming on, the seven fresh forwards in the second half for South Africa, you marked our card on that and it wasn't a surprise. It didn't quite work out. But I, when you and Rob Kearney had a very interesting discussion about what might have happened and what might happen again, because we could conceivably face South Africa in the final, Rob made the point that they missed 11 points in total. They missed a conversion and three penalties. And we won the match by five points. The line-out was really poor, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, we lost uh, the first four line-outs in a row. Uh, Ireland lost. They they turned down points, so they had a very kickable penalty. And I have to say, Eamon, I thought we should have taken one yes. or two of those. I thought that was an error um, from Johnny and, you know, whether he is the goal kicker and he felt the angle was too hard, uh, I think sometimes that's when when uh, the captain isn't the goal kicker is a good thing sometimes because <laughs> the captain's goal kicker, that's a hard kick. I'm not sure I want that. Whereas if the captain is not the goal kicker, he looks at him and says, sunshine, kick it. You don't have a choice. We need you to kick it. Now, they went for the corner, and I can understand that early on. They needed early points. We were saying you needed to put scoreboard pressure on South Africa. Um but there was a couple of things happen. Firstly, the South Africans, usually close to their try line, don't jump and contest the line out. They stay on the ground to defend them all. Yeah. And they didn't. They went up in two groups, went up in that line out, and that caught Ireland by surprise, and they turned the ball over. Then they, the, the Irish made a, f- a few errors. There was also good defence from South Africa. Well, only one of those was a throw. A lot of people were blaming Ronan and Kelleher, but I, I believe only one of those was a pull throw. There were some poor calls in that process. And and it has to be said, some very good South African defence. But it was massive. I, mean, I, I have to say when that happened, I thought we'd lose the game. After the fourth line, I said, well, that's if we don't get a try early on and put pressure on these guys, uh, we'll lose. And to be really fair to Ireland, the, the, the most impressive thing about that that game from an Irish standpoint for me, was the mental strength and composure yes. that that team said. Now, I heard a really great statement listening to uh, some rugby league from Australia, and a great player in Australian rugby league said something, I've written it down here, and it says, great teams defend their mistakes. Yes. And when Ireland made those four crucial mistakes, and I'm thinking, well, that's it, you can't do that against South Africa you, and win. You can't get those lineouts in their 22 and in their half early in the game, not get the ball and think you're going to win. They're too good. Ireland found a way to defend them. And their defense was, was, I, I, you know, the, the, I don't want to make these wide sweeping statements, but I think that's the best defense I've ever seen from an Irish team. I can't recall a better. 80 minutes of defence, with the exception of the try they are let in in the second half, which was quite poor, to be honest. Yes. But for, for the other 79 minutes and 30 seconds, they were almost flawless. Their tackling was was absolutely brilliantly brave. They were they, they, they hardly missed a tackle. Some of the missed tackles were just hands touching them, but they, they were efficient, brave, and they defended, as I said, their mistakes and shut South Africa out of that game 
for the vast majority of it. It, it was a superb performance in, in that way. Now, on the other side of the coin, to your, your question about the bomb squad, as they call them, uh, the 7-1 the, the bench, I felt the South African coaches really got it wrong, really, really got it wrong. Um, Robbie rightly, Robbie Carney rightly said that when they replaced the two props, they brought on Ox and uh, Nishé and uh, Yaka. They came off at about the 47th minute. That scrum right on the uh, Irish try line really exploded and South Africa got a penalty, which is where they scored their try. They scored yes. their try from that. So that was excellent. But th- at the same time, or, or roughly the same time, they replaced Eben Estebeth, the, the giant South African second rower, who was having a phenomenal game. Yes, and particularly in lineouts, actually. He was phenomenal. I, and I, I just, I was sitting there going, they can't be replacing Estebeth. And, and they replaced Moster at the, the other one, the other second rower. But when they replaced their captain, Sia, Sia Khaleesi, I, I was, I was just astounded. He was a rock. He was everywhere and he was their leader. And I felt that because the South African coaches had made this 7-1 statement and it had caused such um, furor in the rugby world that they felt compelled to say, look, we're right, you're wrong, we're going to do it. And I, yes. thought that, I thought that blew the game. Yes, and Ireland, as you say, with the leadership, particularly of Johnny Sexton, but there are leaders all over the pitch. It seems to me with this Irish team, wherever you look, there are guys stepping up to the plate, low, for example, but everywhere, really. I mean, Bundiaki, and you don't feel that it's one man. You feel that they are a team. And, of course, this is critical. They are a team, aren't they? I mean, they've been, I think it's 17 games unbeaten now. They've won the Six Nations, and a lot of them are from Leinster, they know each other, they have confidence in each other, and their coach, I think, deserves great credit too because he is very level-headed, isn't he? Uh, exactly, I mean, everything you said there is totally accurate. It was very interesting during the week, James Ryan, in talking to the media, was saying how the staff uh, just kept saying to them, look, it's just, it's, it's, yes, it's an important game, but trust what we've done over the last two years. Trust your training. Yes. Trust what we do in training. And they, and the coaches and the, and, and the, uh, the head coach, Andy Farrell, showed his trust in the team by selecting almost the same side, with the exception of Jack Crowley on the bench, that, that had done so well across defeating New Zealand in New Zealand, defeating Australia and South Africa last November, winning the Six Nations Championship, the Grand Slam, and what they've done so far in the in the World Cup. He, he just showed his confidence in the team, as did all the other coaches. And that comes, Eamon, as you know, that confidence is, it's, it's, it's like a, I always say it's like a mushroom. It just yep. grows out of nothing. And you go, why does that grow there? It just grows. It's got a belief. It's got a good environment and it just pops up. And once you've got it, it changes teams. You get that, that real belief in, in what you're doing. And I thought Ireland showed that again. For me, Eamon, it always comes out in defense. 
if if yes. the, if you got belief, it comes out in the way you defend, not 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 just the way you attack, but especially defence, which is a great barometer of belief and heart and desire. Yeah, and there was a point. I mean, they went three nil up. They took a penalty, and you reminded us on Friday when we were previewing the game that a big factor in South Africa's psyche is and the way they play with this bomb squad and the physicality of it and the emphasis on defence, they're not good at chasing the game. So when Ireland did take the lead, and it was a slender enough lead, and they held it for the rest of the game, really, South Africa weren't very good at, at chasing it, but they were extremely physical. And I'm not suggesting in any way, in a bad way, but they are, they're heavy dudes and they know how to bully. Oh yeah, a- a- absolutely. I mean, if you if you look at the lead up to the the Irish Irish try, yes, in 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 it's the a tackles, try. yeah, a one a absolutely glorious try in the tackles before um, Hugo Coonan makes his break, Ireland go backwards. Yeah, the, the, the South African defence is so consuming and so powerful that there were two or three carries where Ireland lost ground. And then, of course, they, uh, they play that magic play where Gary Ringrose th- throws a pass and, 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 and Hugo makes the break. And in but that the- move, um, just sorry to interrupt no, you, right. in right. that move, I thought that Johnny Saxton made a very <laughs> significant intervention. He made a break and went for the line and that the ball came back out dead. Seven points. Yeah. Uh, Sexton was magnificent. Uh, yeah. I-, I thought. Again, and and he's, he's you know it's it sounds very technical. I mean, it's it's not really. He just runs straight. He gets his hips square and goes straight. And so he is a threat every time. And every time he touched the ball, he took out two South African defenders because they know he's the key. And his skills are that good at passing that even with the swarming defence that South Africa were putting on him, and there's another stat in there. I mean, Johnny Sexton was forced to make 11 tackles. Yes. So a, a great tactic is that if you run at the best attacker a lot, you make him tired by making him tackle you. Sexton did 11 tackles, but still had the had the the composure and the presence of mind to straighten up and make that half break. Yeah, like all great players, he he knows what the game requires at any given moment. And it's not, it's not always the same answer. There are options at any given point in the game. Game management, you might call it. Roy Keane had the same uh, gift. He wasn't in, in any, and isn't as rounded a person as Johnny Sexton, but he had this great instinct for where the game was at and what was required in any given moment. And that too is a huge asset. It is, I mean, it, it, it's exactly like that. Admit that that midfield general is is very similar to the ten in, in their decision making yeah. as far as influencing a game, and and we we call it the triple threat. Sexton's got the triple threat. He can run, pass, and kick, and he can do it with incredible accuracy. And every so that every time he gets the ball, everyone around him in their attack knows I've got to be ready to support him if he runs, to accept the pass, and the guys out wide have to be ready. He could kick the ball. 30, 40 metres across field to me. Everyone has to be ready because Sexton is so good at making those decisions, but it also says it to the defence. We've got to be ready because this guy can do all three. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, other people to, to mention, Andrew Porter, as uh, Ford ran a lot, uh, made yards, Bundy Aki, is wonderful and he made a spectacular break and I I didn't realize how quick he was in the second half he gained about 35 yards but it was a very important moment again so it's it's an all-round team and the other person I'd like to mention is Colin Murray when he came on when Johnny Johnny Sexton had to go off with about eight nine minutes to play Conor Murray came on, experienced him. He and uh, Saxon have played together for a long, long time, 15 years maybe, uh, or maybe even more. But Murray made uh, also a big contribution uh, just for the end of the game, didn't he? When he, he, he waited and waited and waited put, uh, to put the ball in the scrum and got that penalty, uh, which was converted by the substitute. You've talked about leadership. Conor Murray was, for a short time, captain of the Lions. On their yep. last trip. So, you know, what Connor brings is just this library of experience and knowledge and just slowing the game down. And again, if, if you, you've touched on it there, Amy, that the scrum penalty late in the game was yep. massive, was massive. Now we come back again. Who was the hooker for South Africa? What did the South African coaches do? Yes. They put that now, so your listeners know. The, the substitute hooker is a, is a part-time hooker. He does play – he's a flanker who has been moved to hooker. He is not, in my opinion, top-line international standard. And so when Ireland again brought on Dan Sheen, who was one of the best hookers in the world off the bench, I suggested that, that there is a technique in the front row where, where you, they change where their shoulder angle is and it puts huge pressure on the opposition hooker. And so he can't lift his leg off the ground. 
Yeah. He's just stuck there. And I suspect without, we're trying to get the right camera angle, but I, if I would absolutely have money that, that, uh, Johnny Fogarty, the Irish scrum coach is that smart that that's what they did. So Dean Foray was in that scrum. He shouldn't have been there because it was a bad selection. The South Africans should have brought a specialist hooker across and they didn't. And that gave away the penalty. So, and, and that's also linked in, Eamon. South Africa didn't have a specialist goal kicker on the bench. So when Manny Libok and, and Faf de Klerk, the nine and 10, were missing all these goals, and I don't know if you saw it in the coverage, the South Africans have a, a signal. They have a light they yeah, hold they have, up, yeah. I saw which it. Is, which is quite bizarre. So that, what, what does that tell you? That, do you trust, not trust your players to make good decisions? Do you not trust your yes. captain? You know, if, if I did that to some of my captains, They'd be back very shortly telling me where to put that light. Yeah. You know, they they wouldn't be taking that lightly. So they would shine somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. You you did also, (laughs) you did flag up to us uh, last week this problem South Africa had potentially with a hooker. uh, And this also relates to the bomb squad, doesn't it? And bringing on these seven heavies. Exactly, Eamon. And, and I wasn't the only one saying this. There's a, a very famous South African coach, former coach of the Springboks in Italy, very, very educated and uh, delightful bloke, Nick Mallet. Um, fantastic player himself and, and a fantastic coach. And he was in South Africa was, was the lone voice saying, I can see so many things that could go wrong when you have a 7-1 split. And everyone was putting him down saying, oh, you know, what do you know? You, you know, you're old and all this. And sure enough, Eamon, the rugby gods, when you when you disrespect yes. the game, they'll come at you. They didn't have a goal. They had a guy called Andre Pollard they brought in. Now, they're saying he wasn't ready. Now, he played a game for Leicester, uh, yeah, for Leicester the other week, and that he was coming back from injury. They brought him in instead of a hooker. They then didn't select him. Yes, and he's like, uh, he would have kicked those set-piece penalties and the conversion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, a great, he's a great goal kicker. So look, there's, there's two bits to that. I think the South African selections were very wrong, but Ireland got away with it. They'll pick Pollard again. They will pick Pollard. He will be in that 23 somewhere, either on the bench or starting. And Ireland won't get away with losing those four lineouts again. Yes. So while we should absolutely praise and rejoice in what this team has done, if that game is played again with Pollard playing, Ireland lose. Yeah, and, you know, Rob Carney made that point in what was a very uh, intriguing analysis that uh, you, Ian McKinley, uh, and Rob did with uh, Joe Malloy anchoring it. And it was fascinating, went on for half an hour. And also there was a fascinating look at Australia, which we'll talk about in a moment. I don't want to hurt you. Do, do we uh, have to? to uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, there is an interesting comparison. with no, there what, is. Well, with what you were saying about Australian rugby and what is happening in Irish soccer, that if you don't get it right at grassroots level, if it's not right all the way up, if you don't have the coaches, the skill set and a pattern, you end up with no team. Let me ask you about the future. We play Scotland. Scotland have always been a difficult team for us. You coached them in the past. And their attitude, their game, they believe in themselves. And as I understand it, um, all other things being equal, they have to beat us by seven points. But there is bonus points in that equation. That's not going to be a walk in the park, is it? No, it's not. I mean, this is a very good Scottish side. 
probably the best Scottish side in since the late 1990s. So they've got a lot of talent. Um, they've got a very good forward pack. Um, they're very well. Uh, got a great a great uh, leaders. Now there, there's there's some problems there with um, with some injuries. We'll have to wait and see how the Scottish Scottish team lines up. Um, I, I do have a problem with this Scottish side that they they talk to the media and say things. They keep saying talking themselves up, which which you know there's there's a point of saying look we're we're very confident and we're we're ready to ready to go and you know we believe in ourselves. That's that's very healthy, but. I, you know, again, they, there's, there's some of the Scottish guys came out and said, we're not scared of Ireland. You know, we know how to beat them and not. And I, I just advise them, look, just talk, <laughs> talk quietly and carry a big stick. Like, don't, don't, cause all that does, it's a red rag of the bull. Uh, and, and they did it against South Africa. They said, you know, we're going to beat South Africa. We, we've got their measure. We know we're going to beat them. And you, why say that the week before you take on the world champions? And of course they got beaten. So, and I, I agree with everything you said. Scotland will not lay down. Scotland are going this. They know if they beat Ireland, they can make the quarters. And if they deny Ireland a bonus point. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough, a very, very tough battle. The plus, a big plus Ireland have right now, as we speak, I mean, they're having a little break. They're giving the guys four days off, I think it is, because um, they don't have a game this weekend. The way the pool stages go, every team has has one weekend where they're not playing five teams in a pool. Yeah, and this has fallen. Everyone talks about the draw, uh, a bad draw, and that's that's a fact. But for Ireland having a week off now after South Africa, and they would have been very bruised after that South African game to have some time off, get out of camp. Their families are over in France with them. Some of them families have gone to Disneyland. Some have gone down to the beaches. They haven't left France. They're not allowed to leave the country, so they're having a four day break around with, within France with their families and partners. They'll come back in refreshed, ready to go for this Scottish game. And I, I they'll pick a very, very strong side. It'll be a good game, a very good game. I'm still very confident in Ireland's ability there, but certainly in no way uh, can Scotland be dismissed. And Scotland pose a great threat and can win that game. So Ireland will have to be at their best and be better in the line-out especially than they were against South Africa. Now, you had, as I say, an interesting conversation with Rob Kearney and Ian McKinley and Joe Malloy about the Australian debacle against Wales. Now, Wales, like Gatland, is a great coach with a great record, isn't he? And it looked like, for one thing, I, I like to have a bet, but I never ask you for tips, but I watch very carefully. I backed Wales, you'd be happy to know. But they they looked fitter, more up for it, and Australia looked abysmal. This fella Eddie Jones, are they going to get rid of him? Uh, I know I'm he's not, a friend of yours, <laughs> so I, I, I'm I sorry think, to put you. In. No, no, I don't want no, no. I don't want any headlines coming out saying no, William says Jones no, no. has to go. <laughs> no, no, it, 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 I, I got great respect for Eddie, but we're not we're not friends. Uh, um, yeah, not, not not we're not enemies, but we're not friends. We don't we're not. We don't. We were. We were. Um, we were in competition all the way along. Yeah. As coaches, um, I, uh, and, and I think it's actually a, a, a quite a, a story that will link in to why Australia is here. To, to answer your question on whether Eddie should stay, I, I think his position is becoming close to untenable. Yes. Um, you know, Australia are now uh, one and seven. Yeah. And that one is against Georgia. And, you know, if they were beaten, 
you know, 1918 or 25, 22 or something like that, you go, ah, well, then okay. But I've got a number, I've got it written here from my notes, 40 to 6. Yeah. And, and above it beforehand, I had written Eamon Carbe Diem. Seize the day, guys. Seize yes. the day. And I was up and I was thinking, this is the day for these boys to stand up. Yeah. And two things struck me within this aim. One was what you were saying about the comparison with Irish football. I really felt for these poor guys, especially yes. the young guys that came off the bench into the scrum. Yeah. And they were demolished. And it was embarrassing. It was humi- it was a humiliating day. That's the word I was using. It was humiliating. Yes. But these poor guys were put into an international game, underprepared, underskilled, undercoached, and just thrown to the wolves. And if you're in the front row in international rugby, the way the, the, it's being refereed at the moment, it's no play. You cannot go there unless you are skilled, and it is a very tough place to go. And these these poor guys were just blown apart, and and you could and and it was demoralising for the team. Yes, the, and I, I mean, uh, I think you made the point that like Australia is a sports mad country. Australian teams always supported cricketers. Just won a Test series in the UK, uh, which I'm sure gives them particular pleasure. And you have Australian rules as well. And I think you made the point that that yellow shirt, apart from the cricketer's cap, is treasured. And now the game is really in big, big trouble. And we have the same problem in Irish soccer for the same reason, actually. Um, carelessness, inadequate people in, in powerful positions doing nothing and just rot, which begins at the bottom <laughs> and moves upwards in my uh, experience. And this is what Australia is suffering from. Just a, a quick question about where they go from here, because uh, you can't blame it on one coach, can you? I mean, this is an organizational thing that spreads right across the sport. Uh, I mean, I've sort of been ostracized because I've been talking about this for many years. Because um, when I go home to Australia, I don't go into the Super Rugby. I don't go in. I, I go and coach kids because I yeah. think it's. I think it's really important. Someone like me that's been given so much, or the game puts back into it. I'm not trying to be a saint. I'm just telling you that's what I do. And I don't do it for a, two years. I just go. You know, I, I go and help out at at some of the schools I have an association with. And when I've been there, I, I kept saying, Look, "We're not bringing kids through the right way." And I kept saying to people, "We." we these kids aren't coming through with the same skills we had 20 years ago. Yep. We need we need to change the way we coach to suit the generations as we're finding them. So kids aren't out in the park like like exactly. It's happening in all sports, and they're not out playing street soccer like they did like they used yes. to. They're in, they're inside on technology. That's yep. the reality, and that's affecting the skills in all sport. Now Australia is a pretty affluent place, and rugby in Australia comes from from the private schools, just like Ireland. And the coaching at the as they move through is not technical enough. Right. We are not technically getting these kids ready. And when I say this, everyone rolls their eyes and goes, "You know, oh, sure, mate, sure." What we saw on Saturday was was technically bereft. Yes. It, the, our backline was technically bereft. Our, our defence, even our understanding of defence, the first the, the, the first try, we just literally. There were, we didn't pick up the player. There was yep. one player that no one picked up. Yep. And, and it's off a set play. That is just, I mean, if that was your under 15 side, you'd be going, yes. boys, look, who, who had him? He's just standing there 
I've got one. Who's got two? Who's got the guy on the back? And that's, that's 101 from almost the time you're 13. Yeah. And at a test match, it didn't happen. Then at the other end of the field, Rob Carney is sitting next to me and he says, where's the fullback, man? And I'm, and, and I can't see any. So there's no secondary. There's no one behind the line. And he said, well, is he going to chip? 20 seconds later. Yes. They chip and score a try because their fullback is completely out of position. He is out of position because he's told to be out of position. And I can't believe the level of or the lack of technical coaching and understanding of positional play that we're putting our national team in. It it was humiliating. It was embarrassing that they they were so poor. Okay. A final question, Matt, about the significance of Dupont, the French scrum half, fractured jaw, he's had an operation. Does that put him out of the tournament or not? How big a setback is that for France, in your view? I mean, the latest I've heard, and I'm I'm talking to you from France, is that he will be back even possibly for a quarterfinal, but certainly for a semifinal. Right. Now, that is very, very good news. Yes, French rugby, very yes, good. and it's great for the tournament yes. because um, I, I, exactly like football, certain tournaments are, are linked to certain players, their yes. star players, you know, be it Maradona or someone all through the years, going back to Pele in the in the fifties, you know, like it, it, it is it is linked to certain players. Yes, and we have Jonah Lomu, you know, that 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 we we certainly think of in ninety five, even though they didn't. He didn't win the tournament. David Campuzzi in 91, Johnny Wilkinson in 2003, and so on. Dan Carter. And I think this is his tournament. I really felt for the young man because it's in his country. It's, it's, he'll never get that opportunity to play in a World Cup in his country again. He's captain. He's the best player in the world. And even if they lose, he deserves, he deserves the right to lose on the field, not, not to, it's just so bad when you lose to injury. Yeah, I thought he was out. Now they're saying it is uh, a fracture rather than a break, which is is massive because obviously that takes shorter time to heal. And they're even saying that come next Monday he'll be able to start light training. So that's that's reports in the media. I can't say to everyone I, I can guarantee that's factual, but that that was from uh, Lakeep. So it's usually pretty reliable. Right. Um, his loss when you lose the best player in the world, of course, it is a loss. I still think France without him are an exceptionally difficult side. And, and Eamon, as we said on the show the other week, in the first game against New Zealand, by his own standards, Dupont had a very ordinary yeah, he game. Quite game. A final question, Matt, about New Zealand and the All Blacks. I mean, people have written them off after the first game when they, they really didn't play well. But have they got it in them, do you believe, to regroup? to remind themselves of their history or are they the soft touch that people are imagining and the soft touch that we may end up playing as things stand in the quarterfinal? I mean, there's a great quote I love it from Jack Dempsey, champions get up when they can't. And, you know, um, you can never, ever write off a team that runs out in a black jersey. You just, they, they are... There is too, you know, there's there's the difference, Eamon. A New Zealand side would never put in that performance that Australia did the other week. Yes, and I'm, absolutely. I'm an Australian saying that. I'm heartbroken yep. to say it. They have, they they just believe in that jersey too much. They are too strong. 
Yep. And, and you know, if Ireland get them in a quarterfinal, just don't think we could, Ireland's going to win that. That is going to be a battle. And I, I would, you know, if, if they'll be regarded as a great win. So don't anyone out there riding off New Zealand or thinking this is these guys are going to roll over. You don't yep. know New Zealanders. You don't just don't know them. They are hard, hard people. They are mentally strong, and it's not the best New Zealand side I've ever seen. But that doesn't mean they're weak. And there's a big difference between not being the best All Black side of all time and being a weak side. This is not a weak team. And Josh Schmidt's hanging around the place. <laughs> yeah, and and he'd be looking forward to you know redeeming well, he, he knows- redeeming himself. Yeah, he knows uh, about uh, the Irish team. Yeah. Um, nobody knows more. Okay, Matt, we're really grateful to you for joining us on the stand. We will talk to you before the Scotland game. And congratulations on the success of Virgin Media's coverage. And I, and I think many of our listeners, will be delighted to know that we'll have a choice uh, when the final comes of this compelling competition that goes on, I should remind our listeners, until October 28th. Nothing happens quick in such a physical game. You need plenty of rest. So we're very grateful to Matt Williams, to all of you who listened. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.